Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast, the Borough podcast that gives you the ups, the downs, the ins and outs of Middlesbrough Football Club. My name's Johnny. I'm joined by Dana and Elliot. And just before we kick things off this week, guys, I've just got one little question or one little favour to ask. Um, if you if you listen to us on the podcast apps, can you please give us a five-star rating on the podcast apps? We'd really appreciate it. That helps us get ranked and found by other Borough fans. Um, but also, if you could leave us a comment on there as well, positive, I hope. Um, that would be really good for us, and we'd read it out on the podcast. If there's any negative ones, just send me a DM, um, and we'll we'll talk about it and how we can improve the podcast. But uh, let's chat about the Borough, guys. Um, the 10th game on beaten streak has finally come to an end uh, with Borough losing to now the league leaders, um, Norwich City, um, with the Canaries scoring from a Timu Pookie penalty in the 78th minute. Give the Canaries all three points at the Riverside Stadium. Els, I'm going to kick things off with you so far. Um, Anna drew the month for Neil Warnock. Uh, picked a side which looked on paper as a 3-5-1-1, uh, but it turned to be more of a 4-2-3-1 with the wing-back system. Um, another slight tweak in formations, but Warnock often fought the back against the Pacey's teams. Is that a sign of him maybe like protecting this Borough side against like, the so-called equality and your teams would you like um i think it could be to do with that a little bit um but i mainly think the formation change was down to norwich playing a 4-2-3-1 um we seem to have in the past couple of games adopted a very strict man marking policy all over the pitch um we've seen in the past couple of weeks bowler and dyke steel swapping wings basically to follow their runners when they've switched um yesterday i noticed a lot that the center back switching with the center midfielders when um, strikers were dropping in and, and centre mids were pushing on um, particularly with um, Savile and uh, McNair it was happening a lot I think that was the, kind of the main reason behind it but um, we we have kind of deviated a little bit away from the five at the back or three at the back whatever you want to call it and um, uh, I was quite surprised that we were going to do it on a number of occasions where we've had four three threes as well um, but I, I like it I think it brings a surprise on them 
you know, the, the teams are probably thinking we're going to set up in a certain way, but we've had, let's like say, three or four formations now, um, and it doesn't really help them plan about what we're going to do. It seems as though we're picking the formation based on the the team, which sometimes is, it seems a little bit negative because you're trying to counteract, but they don't know what you're going to do either. So, yeah, that's that's very true, um, and it worked for a long period in the game. It only really reduced Norwich to two shots on target again fantastic record against the say the better teams in the division but then it was a game of two penalties yesterday one being absolutely disastrous and one pretty much being the winner of the game uh what do you think Bora played yesterday and Noel said that we we snuffed out um Norwich quite quickly and it was a game of just one set piece that won it um but were you disappointed with the result as well a little bit yeah given the events of the game obviously we did have a massive opportunity to take the lead, which, I mean, it was typical Borough, really, that we do get the ball in the back of the net and somehow it's not a goal. Um, but I think the first half performance I was really pleased with. You know, we were making sure that they didn't dominate from midfield. Uh, Oliver Skip in the in the middle for them is a fantastic player at being able to dictate the game and keeping them ticking over and, and starting the attacks for them. And I think we really limited him time on the ball and it just allowed us to, to strangle them, really, to press them high up the pitch to win the ball back and to occupy those pockets in behind. And we had a few chances or openings for chances through that. But, you know, typical Borough again, the, the lack of guile really in the final third and the, the bad composure seems to crop up time and time again. And it did yesterday. And then the second half, I think the penalty incident uh, knocked the stuffing out of us because we did start brightly. Um, but, you know, that incident, I think, gave Norwich a, a kick up the backside that they needed and, and they dominated after that, unfortunately. Yeah, they did. And that last 15 minutes was was pretty tough uh, from a Borough perspective. We just couldn't seem to break Norwich down in the end. And I thought Norwich were quite deserving of the three points in the end after after following, obviously, the, the penalty miss from, from Tav. Well, let's speak about Tav a little bit else. Unfortunate penalty taker, would you like... Um, he seemed to be a bit of the scapegoat yesterday, especially online. Um, Twitter seemed to get a few pelters. How do you think Tav played yesterday? Do you think fans were right to be critical of Tav's performance? Well, I, I picked out some of the, the sort of key statistics for the game. Um, and he had the most dribbles in the game with three, uh, the joint highest shots um, with Pookie with three, and the second most tackles with five, which. Um, you know, normally the person who kind of gets on the ball and dribbles a lot isn't one to be kind of up there with tackles as well. Um, so, you know, the stats there make it seem like he's he's had a decent game. Um, I can see why he kind of does receive criticism. Um, and I think this kind of comes back to the point of what we've mentioned about George Savile and potentially other central midfielders in the past where we kind of think what is their best role within the team. Um, and it's strange for Tav because he's not really like a, a very combative midfielder um, and then sometimes you think you know he's a bit more of a creator but he's, he's sometimes very slow on the ball decision making um, not the most agile when you think he might be um, but his work rate is, is second to none and I think obviously that's been well coached into him this year and I think that's why he's played some games out wide as well because you, you obviously need a good engine um, when, when we've got a wing back system so um yeah, it's a bit strange from I think he had a half decent game. Um obviously that the penalty miss was unfortunate, we'll come on to that. But um yeah. I can understand why he's become the scapegoat. There's always got to be someone who's, who's gonna be a scapegoat. We've had you know Ryan shot and be the one in the past. Um but I think I think with Tav it's it's something to do with coming through the Academy as well. I think we seem to have overhyped him maybe ourselves from saying he 
broke through, scored that goal against Sunderland. You know, he's going to be like a, an unbelievable product from the years, just championship level, and we're wanting him to be to be more. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, it's a little bit of, of everything with, with Tav at the moment, and it, it, I think um, a word we've maybe used for him is a uh, marmite. You either kind of love him or hate him, really. Unless you're Dana, we don't know whether the pie's in the oven or not, the, the humble pie, so... Um... We don't know what we don't gas markets on. Oh, <laughs> it's a very long pie. <laughs> it is, it's a very long pie, yeah. Uh, but, look, I think, I think with Tav, he's still only 21, isn't he? And he's still got a lot of years, hopefully, ahead of him. I feel he will he will find that position, but in terms of the scapegoat side, scapegoat side of things, Kind of like a raffle each week, isn't it? Like you just don't know who's gonna get it next, do you? Like you just mm. one straight pass and it's like pelters online, and you just think, oh god, it'd be tough being a footballer, especially with like <laughs> with Borough fans sometimes. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was. I was gonna say, I think it comes to consistency. Um, a lot of the team haven't received much criticism this year because I think they've had a number of good games where Tav maybe only has flashes in games and he hasn't had. Maybe a full game where he where he's been at it, or a couple of games like Dyke Steele, McNair, Savile, Fry, and so on. Um, so maybe that's where it it comes. And obviously, he has featured a lot. Um, if he was, you know, if he was at Marcus Brown level, where um, you know he hadn't featured, but he's he's doing the same things that Tav does. You don't get as much pelters because you're not getting as much game time. Um, so that, that could be a factor as well. Yeah, very, yeah, very true. The curious case of Marcus Tavernier. Uh, the, the, the penalty itself, it looked like a double kick uh, from Marcus Tavernier. One, did you think it was a double kick? And what do you think of the rule itself of if you kick the ball twice, uh, it's an indirect free kick to the other side? Yeah, I think the rule is absolutely ridiculous, to be honest. I know it's very apt that I'm saying that after Borough fall a victim to it. But I, I just think, you know, you see players allowed to retake the penalty because of encroachment because the keepers come off his line you know they're two cases of something that can be helped um but you can't help a slip and it just feels like this rule is effectively indirect in, uh, indirectly penalizing players for slipping because nine times out of ten if you double kick a ball from a penalty it's because they've slipped and i just yeah. feel as though the rule is is absolutely ridiculous that it is a free kick to the opposition. The penalty kick taker should be allowed the chance to to take it again. But um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, the the penalty kick itself. I've watched it so many times. I've watched all the replays, all the angles, slowed it down, watched it frame by frame, and it's still so inconclusive. You know, you look at the one from behind, and it it looks like the cleanest strike of a ball you'll ever see from someone that slipped. And then you look at the the one from sort of in front. And it looks like the ball deviates slightly, so it's it's one of those where I don't know how the referees called it because it's it is so inconclusive. Yeah, I think most of the time when somebody slips, I guess the referee just thinks, well, it was probably a double touch anyway. Um, mm, and you maybe. know, if that's the case, then we we maybe should have only drew um, the Carling Cup final, but <laughs> hey, oh, we were on, on the good side of it then. Um, and maybe yeah, this isn't, it's nowhere near as a as big a game, I guess, but. Um, but no, I, I agree. I agree with Dana. I think um, you know if you're going to give it for encroachment or uh, the keeper coming off the line, then again the player can't really control it, and unless it's um, something to do with the boots, as you maybe mentioned later, Johnny. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know to, it's not really their fault. I mean, it's, it's groundsman's fault if they're absolutely soaking the pitch at half time, and it's always 
always been raining uh, as it is in in England. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know the rules, what it is, and I, I can, you know, if, if if it's done fairly across the whole league and across all of football, then, then fair enough. But um, you know, it just seems a bit unfair on the the penalty taker because um, he, he didn't do a lot wrong, and obviously we scored it, um, which might seem a little biased at the time because if he missed, we'd be like, oh well, okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah it's it, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? So like, rule could be, um, well, if if a player slips and he, he, the thing is, if he slips, he touches it once and it goes in, the referee have the right to take the game back again, and so because of the, this this slip rule, or is there a case of like it's this double touch? Uh, the double touch was actually essentially brought in so a player couldn't lay himself off and ping it top pins, um, but it's the case of. What what rule could you bring in to make sure that this thing doesn't happen again? Could it could it potentially be a retake? Could it could we keep the rule the same? But it's just a, it's a very odd rule. But unfortunately, it's in the game at the minute. But in terms of boots uh, side of things, we'll keep we'll chat about it very quickly. But everyone seen me slipping over yesterday. Do you think we should maybe revert to like a full stud? I know it sounds ridiculous, Dana, but uh, I mean, Tav slipped. Everyone must slip in that first fifteen twenty minutes. Should we really look at the footwear kind of things, or should we just say, right, it's just one of those things, and let's move on from it? I don't, if, if you want to be pedantic, I guess, um, but there's a far bigger problem for Bora than boots and studs. I think, um, you know, a lot of people were slipping yesterday, not just Bora players. And at the end of the day, you've got to make sure that you put the game beyond doubt before an incident like that happens and we are discussing boots and studs you know Borough's attacking qualities are, are not good with studs without studs you know it's um that's what needs to be addressed i think not the uh not the studs yeah, you, you're not wrong but um let's let's move on slightly i know the under the unbeaten streaks now done but and what what positives can you take up the game yesterday was there any individual performances that you thought were excellent um, yeah, I thought there was uh, a couple of individual performances. I think um, Dale Fry was was excellent. He put in some great challenges. Um, you know, winning headers um, as well in the game. I, I seen that he's also just been announced in Team of the Week for the Championship. Um, so congratulations to him. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was a particular moment in the game where he in a challenge, and I thought we'd give a penalty away before Norwich's actual penalty. Um, but it was just a brilliant challenge from Fry, and I think. Um, yeah, maybe a little. Well, if he came out on the um, the side of the of the result, I think you you could have argued that the apprentice has outdone the master in Ben Gibson. Because if we'd have won one nil, Ben Gibson give away the penalty, <laughs> yeah. which he did, and uh, Fry keeps a clean sheet, then it would have been brilliant. But as it turns out, that didn't happen. So, um, but I mean, there's another key positive. Chance. You what? Sorry. Like Gibson gave us the chance, and we we didn't take. Oh yeah, the agent Gibson, he he gave us what we needed, but. Um, <laughs> If we yeah. looked at our tweet and just thought, ah, you know what, I might just give one away. Yeah, just give just give him one, and sit, they have to take it then. But uh, yeah, pitch was pitch was soaking wet. So what can you do? Well, like Neil um, Warnock said, blame the groundsman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing I, I was going to mention on uh, positives is um, that goal we conceded was the first we we conceded in 452 minutes of football. So. You know, defensive side of things, we 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 can't really complain. Obviously, we've came out on um, on the end of a you know defeat, but really, you know, Norwich are now top of the table. Um, they've got a really good squad, really big squad as well. 
Um, the only two defeats we've had have came against Watford and Norwich, both only 1-0 as well. Um, so, I mean, it was going to come to an end at some point after the, the jinx of a, uh, a manager of the month, but um, we just need to now follow it up and, and get a decent little run going again and um, keep our heads held high. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the the performance yesterday, Dan, I know I mentioned it early, a little bit earlier on where I said when it was two shots on target for Norwich, we've only really had one shot on target against the free score and better sides. Um, we know where the strengths lie. You pulled the stats earlier this week with all the defensive stats uh, first in the league for. Um, but it's that other end that we continually talk about. Looking at the performance yesterday and looking at the, how the game was going, Robert Tonnant the team and try and be a bit more expensive going forward. There's an argue, there's a case to argue for it. I think there there is a call during games, in these games in particular, the stick or twist that I've said before of, you know, do you go a little bit more adventurous? Do you take that risk and put on Patrick Robertson, sacrifice that uh, bit of defensive stability? But I think this is a problem way beyond one player. You know, people can can say just put Patrick Roberts on we'll be fine but I've seen Patrick Roberts be just as frustrating as the rest of the players and before you know you put Patrick Roberts on the pitch I think you need to sort out the um the quality already on it the likes of Spence and Tav have some really poor uh, decision making and then you know Bowler uh Dyke still Colson Johnson they all have uh, quality in the final third that just isn't quite up to scratch and I think those players in that bracket apart from Johnson are quite inexperienced players and I think it shows because they they don't really take that second to compose themselves and to look up and pick out the, the best avenue to try to obviously create a chance or score a goal and um, I think they just need drilling to to get that into them and make that a part of their game but yeah Patrick Roberts with, without a doubt would have change things or can change things but you know that there, there's even with him in the team there would still be a problem for Borough so he isn't by any means our lord and saviour in this respect you know there's there's obvious issues there and it goes far beyond one player for me do you think you if if you're a Patrick Roberts yesterday do you think you'd be a little bit miffed at the fact that Sam Falaron came on ahead of him a little bit yeah I mean it is interesting and we'll, we'll probably get onto it later about Sam Falaron but um, I, I mean, at the time when he came on, I was thinking, surely not, not, not Sam Falarian. You know, I was thinking, if you do want to go for the victory, you surely put Patrick Roberts on because he's the, the more experienced player. He's the player that offers something that that no one else can from the bench. But um, it was an interesting move, and, and Warnock said that he, he put him on to essentially try to get their left back sent off, and uh, it was a tactic that that could have and probably should have worked. But um, yeah, it was a it was an interesting one, and it, yeah, Penny for Patrick Roberts' thoughts on that really, because I think earlier on in the week it, it came out that he was frustrated that he wasn't getting a game, which is understandable. And then to see a twenty-year-old who I think has only made one appearance before that game come on, it's uh, it was a strange one from Warnock. Yeah, I mean, there was something I wanted to mention on um, following on from what Dana said there about you know it's a bit in terms of the you know the the attacking side of things and I think you know when when Patrick Roberts has came on he still hasn't contributed with an actual output yet um for all of his you know um nice neat work and 
and dribbling past players and all of that. I think he, you know, we still haven't had anything from him, and he done the occasional where he he took it round about seven players on the edge of the box and didn't get a shot off, which was a little bit frustrating. And and Maddo always says every time he does it, I don't know why I don't know why he didn't shoot. Um, and I think that you know the other um, the other kind of moment that came to mind there was when. Um, Bola won the ball back high up on a high press and then we must have had five players around at the time and then he just fizzed it across the box like so hard and I was thinking we, we could have mm. made a much better opportunity from that and I think there's a, sort of a lack of naivety and sort of um, know-how when, when the team gets in the final third and I think we've done quite well up to this point um, in terms of our conversion rate and, and so on and, and took chances when we've had them but I think there'll, there'll come times where we're just going to be not more unlucky but obviously quite wasteful chances and I think that kind of told yesterday and some of the previous games especially against Blackburn um, when we had so many chances as well so yeah you wouldn't complain if we were winning 1-0 every week would you so it's just yeah, um, yeah. I think for Bora right now it's it's a case of creating more chances um, and if we can create those chances because Strikers that we currently have, or the creative players that we've currently got, are just not create, not not, and just not finishing the chances that we create. I mean, that could be a real kicker in Boris' season. But we've got Derby on on Wednesday night; they're quite they're struggling at the moment. So hopefully, we can really kick into gear and start getting these goals uh, scoring. Say once again, like we did in the nineties. Um, <laughs> but obviously, there's, that's obviously a, a long way, a long 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 time ago now. Um, but Els, you, you kind of covered it really, but Charlie asked the question. Um, he said, "With scoring being an issue, are we just simply cursed? Because uh, no manager can, no manager can really change. It's only really been since the Brian Robson era where we were free scoring. Crankwell wasn't the same. Yeah. Uh, McLaren, we didn't score a, a lot of goals, but it's, it's been quite a defensive uh, Millsborough side for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, it, it does come down to the the managers." choices that Steve Gibson chose to go with, especially in the past couple of years. You know, Neil Warnock is a coach renowned for um, you know, positioning and marking and, and everything that we've seen out of it really tightened up the defence, which was, you know, last year, even with more experienced players in it, such as Shot on an IL, a, a really leaky defence. Um and we're obviously much better this year. Tony Pulis was um you know of a similar ilk. Uh you know, even what Karanka was, um, and you just think, well, we're employing coaches of that kind of mentality. That, that's kind of what you're going to get when you look at maybe the opposite of um, Leeds employing Marcelo Bielsa. I know it's kind of a completely different ball game, um, but you know, it's a kind of different philosophy of like we're going to go all out and we'll if we concede, we're going to outscore you type of thing. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a curse. I think it's all of our own doing. And it depends kind of what you want. I think as a fan base, we're kind of, we do appreciate um, clean sheets and and uh, good defensive performances. Um, so I think we, got, we have to kind of take that with it, that we're always not going to be brilliant going forward. Um, we have a history of just ruining strikers or making them less prolific than what they were elsewhere. So unless we combat that with getting, you know, other coaches in our know, famed for attacking work or getting a manager in of doing that then I don't really feel like it, it's going to change obviously it will improve as the season goes on just as the players maybe growing confidence Ashley Fletcher comes back um, and uh, you know coaching kind of just 
week by week just gets drilled in a bit more. I think it it will improve, but um, overall, I don't think really on the score charts. If we finish in the top half, I think we'll probably be one of the lowest scorers. So, yeah, yeah look. I think Warnock's main plan, I've said this podcast a couple of times, just get to January. If we can bring better quality in there, then we should should be able to improve on that at the back end of the season. Uh, I think right now, Warnock's plan is just to try and get as high as we can, make us hard to break down, and if we can kick on second half of the season, then that's absolutely perfect. But speaking of creativity, Dana, Paddy McNair, um, player I worry about very uh, quite a lot, actually. Um, he was in the starting lineup again after three games away in international duty. Um, firstly, do you agree with Neil Warnock's frustrations around Paddy, Paddy playing three games, well, three, three mean, well, not really meaningful games? And is there a time where we're going to have to probably potentially rest Paddy McNair because of just the amount of games he's playing? Yeah, to be honest, I'd rest him on Wednesday because obviously Grant Hall is back now. Of course, a completely different type of of defender. I don't think Grant Hall quite has the deliveries that Paddy McNair does, but <laughs> at the same time, it's it, you know it's another option there. I can't wait um, until he gets an assist on Wednesday. Now. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't wait for him to like ping a ball from like sixty yards on that on the small on volley. But yeah, I mean, it it is ridiculous to be honest. They he would have played every single minute had. He not picked up cramp, uh, cramp against Slovakia, and I mean I, I understand that game because that was a, a really important game. I think that was obviously indicated uh, by George Savile playing despite having personal problems. But you know the the next two, I think the Nations League game was a dead rubber because they'd been uh, relegated. Uh, I think Norway got given a uh, an automatic three nil victory or something like that because the game was postponed. So you know that was a dead rubber. The other one was a friendly, I believe. So I mean. Ian Barakoff is just an idiot, isn't he? You talk about protecting players <laughs> and, you know, these fatigue inju- injuries. Liverpool defenders are dropping like flies. Alderweireld got a muscle injury yesterday. Jose Mourinho was talking about the importance of uh, fatigue injury. So he's going to be out for a while. And I think it's it's only a matter of time before Paddy McNair gets that type of injury. I know he's, he's, he's a machine in Paddy McNair, but, you know... Th- machines have their malfunctions every now and again and I think that I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he doesn't get a rest uh, to see him pick up an injury so that's why yeah. I'd, I'd, that's why I'd rest him on uh, on Wednesday midweek. I, I think it has to come at some point doesn't it mm. for, especially for him and um, Salah really I think they're probably the only two really who've featured in international games this this season maybe other yeah. people in under 20 21s and stuff but um, yeah I think at some point they're going to have to I mean they're all they're all human at the end of the day. Um, we know sometimes we say that footballers' lives are a life of luxury, but I think you know, maybe as you get to the championship down, it's okay, yeah, they, they still get... Um, but really, I think you know, the, with the amount of games that are coming, obviously because of the reschedules, because of COVID, and then obviously internationals, which really don't need to go ahead. Friendlies are a bit pointless at, at this point when nobody else can really travel in the world. It, it seems a bit stupid. Um, but yeah, there's going to have to come a point where they're going to have to stop. And obviously there is no international break now, I think, until March, which is a, a good thing. But obviously, as we know, in England, there's a, a massive fixture schedule now for Christmas. So um, it's a good job. We've obviously brought in Duncan Watmore and another player to kind of throw it in the mix. But we're going to have to rotate the squad a lot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. I agree with both of your, both of your points there. I think when you look at Paddy McNair, you look at George Sowell playing that amount amount of games and Kevin De Bruyne more about it yesterday 
Um, these players just aren't covering, and they're not recovering at a fast rate either. Um, the physical demand of playing 90 minutes three, every three days probably isn't going to be good, not just for physically, but mentally as well. It can be probably be exhausting. Yeah, um, they won't be seeing the, and, the family and, and stuff, because apart from me, even the people you live with, because of actually being in the situation we're in, you wouldn't see extended family as well. Um, so when you're constantly just away for games and whatnot, then playing league games away on a weekend and then, you know, back thingy, the mental side of it as well. You're just tired all the time and you're at training, you're at the different places in the country or, or wherever else. And yeah. Kind of, it kind of leads on the night, uh, the, the question I've got for you now, Ellis. Um, obviously, due to the hectic schedule that we've got this year, the AFL have agreed, agreed to, uh, Increase subs to five and have nine subs on the bench as well. So that's a bit of a smart move from from the clubs. And do you think it'll help managers this season, especially with the run of games that we've got? Yeah, definitely. I think when I looked at the fixtures, I was I said in the sort of next chunk of games, and I, I looked and I was thinking, how are all those actually meant to be played in December? Um, <laughs> it's like two months worth of games. Um, we all know what it's like at that period. It's uh, a bit mad, and obviously it's great for fans and such. Obviously, there's a lot going on a lot of football to watch but I think for the players it's uh, an absolute nightmare week for them but um, yeah I, I think the five five subs will help if we can if we have enough players to, to obviously get on the bench obviously young players are going to be featured Sam Falarin's probably going to be in the match disc quite a lot more um, maybe some others will, will get the chance as well I think Nathan Wood they'll probably get a couple more chances he's already had a start as well this season um, so positives for them, I guess, that they're going to get more opportunities and perhaps um, further the development quicker because they're actually being thrown in at the deep end as such. So, yeah. Well, let's let's speak about Sam Fuller and then Dana. Um, he's clearly benefited from the nine sub rule, and he came on yesterday to make his league debut. What would you rate? He looked pretty, pretty nervous yesterday, but do you think it was the right move from Warnock, but also how would you rate his performance yesterday? I think he did look a little bit out of place at times, but I think that's really quite... Uh, <laughs> you expect it because he's only 20. Um, you know, he's a raw talent, but there's obvious potential in him because otherwise Neil Warnock wouldn't have brought him to Cornwall. He wouldn't have named him in the matchday squad. Uh, wouldn't have given him his debut already this season. I mean, you could argue that's down to a lack of options, but at the same time, he's he's in and around the matchday fold, and that is obviously for a reason. Um, I think he looked bright and, and, you know, fantastic for him to obviously make his league debut, and hopefully we can see more of him. Like Elliot said, this, you know, the new subs rule and the fact that you can name nine subs now, I think we will see more of him. Um, and he's probably got something to offer this season, so it's a massive incentive for him to to step up. Given that injuries will probably happen, and he'll probably get that uh, that pathway into the squad through that. So, yeah, I think raw talent, but a talent, and with every talent, there's there's potential there. So hopefully, he can unlock that and continue to grow this season. Yeah, well, he was my player to watch, so I'm gonna keep taking that. Uh, he was obviously one of the younger players to watch, so hopefully. Can, he can really yeah, he's, he's, not, he's, protect- he's not the best Sam there. Hashtag no, Sam I mean, Stubbs. Sam, I mean, oh, yeah. Sam Stubbs, yeah. Uh, it was a great shout from you, Al. <laughs> I, I, thought he, I thought we were going to keep all of him, like, in defensive options, but Fleetwood, Fleetwood come calling. It's, you know, you, you've got to go to Fleetwood over Borough. You can't turn stuff. that yeah. down. You can't turn Fleetwood, Fleetwood come, down. Yeah. 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 You get free cod every time you play. 
<laughs> or Call of Duty. <laughs> nah, like a three like pod full of fish and chip me. Just, just get slapped on your front doorstep. <laughs> there's your wish packet, sir, and there's your fish. Hell no, no wonder Jamie Vardy made it the Premier League then. I see, mate. Do you know what they say when I used to? I've seen like Jamie Vardy's like pre-match routine. Like they say, a Red Bull, ag, Red Bull, ag. <laughs> <laughs> no, bottle of wine before the game, um, and then also a fish from Fleetwood Town. <laughs> oh, the God. secrets of Jamie Vardy: a fish and a rice cake. Um, but let's move on uh, from the fish chat. Let's chat about new contracts instead. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and he's like still this week, Els, new contract, four and a half year deal. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. I think he uh, he only keeps getting better um, game by game. I think he's uh, very, you know, very composed on the ball, neat touch. Um, he doesn't look as though he's one of the strongest defenders, but he, he really channels his, his strength really well in games. Um, like, like I mentioned, I think he's one of, you know, he's very on the ball and I think he's one of the best technical defenders we've had in a while and I think when he's involved in a back three um, it gives, especially when him, it's usually Dale Fry in the centre and then sort of Paddy and um, Dyke Sealers sort of right and left centre backs it allows them to kind of bring the ball out a bit and, and thread it through to the wing backs and centre midfielders um, and so on but there was a, a particular few moments in the game yesterday where he kind of like turned, Maradona turned someone on the wing <laughs> and I was just kind of like, he, he's our right back <laughs> it's just like what, what's going on um, and he kind of shimmied past someone as well in, sort of in the, um, late on in the game and um, he, d- he doesn't seem to give the ball away very often um, so I think he, he's really growing to his own so I think it's really good to tie someone down he's still only 24 um, and yeah be good business for the club could potentially move on that centre midfielder role as well just the way he's playing the way he's breaking down games I'd be so surprised if you. He, he's, yeah, he, he could fit into a lot of positions. I think he's he's a very smart player, um, and I think when when he gets put in a position, obviously he keeps flitting between sort of one of the centre backs and a, a right back. Um, and I think he when he's playing in either of those roles, he, he knows what he has to do, um, and he knows what his responsibilities are in the game. So I think he'd work in a, a centre mid role as well. Definitely, um, Dana Warnock said. Could be a few of us potentially signing new deals this week or next couple of couple of weeks. Um, what players do you think he's referring to? And who would you like to see sign a new deal before January? I think he's probably referring to to Dale Fry more than anybody. I think he's had an absolutely fantastic start to the season. I've never seen him play as well for Borough as he is right now, and you know he's he's come on leaps and bounds. I think under Neil Warnock, I've been quite critical of Dale Fry before because I just don't think his performances are strong enough and consistent enough. But he's really delivering that this season. So I think Dale Fry definitely. Um, I think obviously Britain Fletcher are out of contract in the summer. Housen as well. I think to be honest. He'd want to tie all of those players down, all four of those players, because all four of them are really important for us. I think Johnny Housen has gone well under the radar. He's been really set the foundations for Borough, you know, in, in in the unbeaten run, and just in this season period, because I think he's he keeps Borough ticking and he does a lot of the work that doesn't really get the praise. Um, but he's really sort of solidifying and knitting together that midfield. So I think Johnny Housen has been fantastic. I think I'd tie him down for another year. Um, and then it's difficult with Fletcher and Brick because they will be on big contracts and obviously COVID will have impacted the finances quite a bit. 
so you know whether or not they'll sort of manage it differently so that they do take a little bit of a wage cut who knows but I, I would like to see them stay I think it's a massive uh, message to British on Malonga that Neil Warnock gave him the captain's armband um, so I can't see him leaving unless that's a, a decoy from, from Neil Warnock he's just thrown that in there to, to throw everyone off but um, yeah I think all of the players that are out of contract I believe is it Fry, Housen, Fletcher and uh, Brit uh, are all yeah. out of contract. Yeah, I think he will probably be looking to tie all of those down. I would, I would imagine. Yeah, well, looking ahead to January, L's, those players that I mentioned there, they can go for free and they can speak to clubs uh, from the from January. So, do you think it's a case of Warnock just trying to protect the club financially, trying to get some money for these players? Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably easier to keep old of players than try and obviously persuade new players to come in as well because you potentially might be paying the same um, if you wanted the same level of quality um, and then obviously then they've got to integrate with the squad get used to the tactics and so on um, but also you know in terms of protecting the club financially if if we let Brit and Fletcher go for free that's £22 million pounds down the drain um, you shot Housen in there as well which is a couple of million as well um, obviously Dale Fry a little bit different obviously coming through the club but um, all got the sort of potential resale value when when clubs' finances pick up. Um, if they pick up, we don't know what the true story is of what Cove is going to do, and, and if and when um, fans can return to stadiums, uh, obviously help things out. So um, yeah, it, it's a strange one because I think obviously it, negotiations have obviously gone a long while because I think agents will try and get the best obviously for their client, obviously for the players. So. Um, but at the same time, we can't just, you know, say a bit, okay, we'll give you the exact same because we, we really can't. He's obviously signed a really good contract and now we can't afford to do that. In that time period, we have we remained in the championship for a couple of years, obviously lost the parachute payments. Now we don't have fans coming in. Um, we can't be expected to be getting paid the same same wages. So, um, yeah, there might be some, some to and fro, I think, especially with the, the, the wages that... Um, Fletcher and uh, and Britt were on, so we'll see what happens. Because, like you say, we've obviously got Chubarakpom there, who's came in this season, so it might be in a good deal. Any bit on sort of lesser wages, and you never know if any of them kind of do go. There'll be other targets that we can go and get in the next season, depending on what happens this season. It all depends on obviously, usually in the championship, whether they've stayed there, whether they've managed to get up, um, and what you can do. But if we did stay there, obviously you can. There's a lot of other players you could replace with or, or house them with and so on so yeah absolutely and there's obviously that the this the secret one of players uh big debuts or well players that are in the 23s debuts as well because they're going to have a wedge as well to yeah. get paid it for if when to play them obviously some few weeks so it's just a case of we have to be really careful with the money especially with uh, the COVID restrictions that we've got. But let's move on, guys. Let's chat about Derby on Wednesday night. Derby, bottom of the league. Philip Cocker has been sacked with £118 billion in the bank. Uh, that went well, didn't it? Um, let's pass you the mic, guys, and let's chat about Derby County. Yeah, they lost their last game 1-0 against Bristol City, uh, in which they played a 4-2-3-1 formation. And uh, just looking into the stats that they've had from the season, a, a few numbers, uh, they, they seem to like to work the ball down the wing uh, because 
uh, 21 crosses against Bristol City, 26 against Barnsley, 21 uh, against QPR, all in the last three games. Um, but their Achilles heel is a lot like ours. You know, the quality in the final third is completely wayward. It's it's missing. And uh, looking into those crosses against Bristol City, only seven of them were accurate. So uh, very like Borough in that respect. And, and also very like Borough in, in their goal scored department. They've only scored five goals this campaign. No side has scored fewer than that. So, you know, there's, there's clear problems there. I think Martin Waghorn is, is, has struggled this season because I think the quality behind him is just not there and he's not really um getting that support and that service they've got tom lawrence and uh Dwayne holmes there that should really be providing that support but they're just too inconsistent and uh too hit and miss so you know that's an obvious issue for them as well um and you know by all accounts what the derby fans are saying is that bristol city performance was better but it was just a case of they didn't have the quality whereas bristol city did much like our game against norwich actually where you know the performance was there but if you give the likes of timu puki an opportunity from six yards nine times out of ten he's gonna score unless he slips which he actually did against derby earlier on this season and he missed he skied it but you know this is a really dangerous game for me because you know they are obviously in an awful run. Um, anybody or you know anybody listening to this, do not look at the farm table because you'll curse for her. But um, <laughs> you know they're on an absolutely awful run, and I think with Koku going now, it's the opportunity for them to really bounce back and to show everybody that they don't deserve to be rock bottom of the table um so i must admit i'm i'm very worried about this game fingers crossed that you know we don't slip over the banana skin but you know typical bore i wouldn't be surprised yeah i'm i'm kind of leaning on the other side I, i'm quietly confident that they're still not that they haven't turned that corny i think it brings similarities to the um, Forest game where they were in this sort of transition phase and I think it's still going to be a bit too early for them. I think Neil Warnock is too experienced um, to kind of mm. let us at least definitely get beat in this game. I think obviously if we if we don't win, I think it'll be a nil-nil because both sides are just terrible at attacking. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, obviously what the lowest scorers in the league, they've only won one of their 11 games. Waghorn's top scorer on two. Um, shouldn't really laugh because our top scorer is probably on two. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no uh, injury or sort of suspension worries for Derby, so they've got a full squad to take um, advantage of. Um, and uh, I was looking at their uh, transfers. They've lost a couple of uh, decent players who obviously featured for them in the past couple of years. Um, Max Law, uh, Jaden Bogle, Chris Martin, uh, Anya Huddleston, Scott Malone. Um, brought in a, a couple of players who, who we, we kind of know of and, and whatnot. Um, but one that kind of interests me was Colin Kazim Richards, uh, who's only 34. <laughs> uh, oh, which you know, he seems like he's been around forever. Uh, I think he was signed from been a Turkish club, years. yeah. So that was, um, that was a bit of a weird one, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was looking into also the uh, XG. Um, I know that's now my new favourite thing, and average positions has now moved on average to a... Average positions of the week. <laughs> average positions has got a new boyfriend now, so XG <laughs> all the way. Um, but yeah, an, an interesting point to note is that Derby have only registered um, over a 1XG twice all season. Um, none of those were in the last nine. It was in the, the second and, and third games of the season. Um, compare that with Borough, who've had 
um, eight matches over one um, all season, um, and I think we've had two over over two as well. Um, so you know their attacking output is significantly worse than ours, and the ch- the chances that they're creating um, it might look as though I think we they've scored five, we've scored nine. Um, but you just the, the quality of the chances that they're creating just aren't don't deem to be that you know that they should be scoring goals and that obviously tells we've only scored five um so i don't feel like for all Wayne Rooney is i don't feel like he's going to um coach it into them in three days that they're, they're going to put two or three past us so i'm i'm quietly confident that we're um we're, we're going to keep a clean sheet and, and do well against them yeah well the coaching staff of, of Rooney and uh Liam Rossini as well is a is a mighty duo <laughs> i feel like uh uh, you know, they'll beat us now. I said that, um, but I think yeah. I think Rooney will be a very, very good manager. I think he, it's just he needs a lot of experience around him, but also the 118 billion pound, which is quote that they might have when it's when it's a deal done, then uh, uh, it might work in his favour. Uh, but I didn't know about uh, Liam Rossini was also a coach. I think yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely sounds like a football manager save now. I feel like <laughs> hey. you're going to tell me that. Um... That Colin Kazim Richards is not actually there as a player, and he's like director of football or something. Or... Is that, he's actually the water boy. <laughs> well, like the, the film. Yeah, the water boy. Yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to be fair, to be fair, I, when I was speaking to the Rams Review podcast, they were saying that Rossini's got the only one with the pro license, and Rooney still hasn't right. got it yet. So Rooney legally can't take over yet. So. Um, well, legally in the game anyway, but hasn't stopped Bora, Bora, former Bora players or managers in the past. So, I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if Rooney took over. But let's do your uh, score predictions, guys. How are we feeling? Optimistic or are we feeling typical Bora? I'm feeling uh, fairly optimistic. I think, as I mentioned there, I'm, I'm kind of confident that we'll keep a clean sheet. I think our only Khaleesi will be our ability uh, to, to finish our chances. Um, but I think we'll have enough to get over the line. So, I'm going to go with a 1 0 win to Bora. No one for else, Dana. Well, I did think one all initially. I'm sort of toying between that and one nil because I do feel like uh, Elliot said it before. Don't dare that, coffee uh, me now. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> I am because if, if if it's one nil, then I'm not catching up to you again on the prediction league. <laughs> no, I am gonna stick with one all, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it. You know, the sort of like the Forest game, what Elliot said before of. You know, we sort of stick it out. We we're patient and we nick a goal, sort sort of towards the end of the game. But no, I'm going to stick with one all. I, I just feel like Borough will borrow themselves, and um, yeah, we'll we'll let Derby score a goal basically. Um, well, I'm going to go two nil Borough. Then I'm going to be very optimistic and go go with the two nil. Guys, that that's pretty much it. So thank you very much for for joining me as always. If you listened all the way through the podcast. Like I said at the start, if you can give us five-star rating on the podcast apps uh, and leave us a comment, that'll absolutely be great, and we'd read them out on the podcast as well. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Borough's unbeaten streak is finally over, um, and hopefully we can start it again on Wednesday against Wayne Rooney's Derby County. This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and now we match their chatter in the pod. The Borough Breakdown. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.